Well, good morning and uh, Merry Christmas. I trust that uh, this will be a wonderful holiday season for you. I, <clears throat> uh, just on a personal note, I, I won't be greeting you with handshakes and hugs today. I'm, I've been sick this week, so I want to uh, prevent you from being sick. I haven't been sick in years, and I was really down and out this week for about three days. Um, I think I'm at the end of it. Most men would be in the hospital with an IV, but I'm preaching. <laughs> Uh, my wife cautioned me. She said, now, please don't come close to me. Don't touch other people. And I asked her this morning, I said, how, how long will this incubation period be before I can get close to you? She said, oh, six months or so, I'm sure. <laughs> so I've, I really must have a very, very bad whatever I have. But we are here today, and uh, uh, as we think about Christmas season, we do, as a church, celebrate the Lottie Moon World Christmas Offering that supports 5,500 Southern Baptist missionaries. Our church goal is a half million dollars this year, which is a very steep goal. So far, we've accrued uh, 203,000 or so, and we're going to take this up through January, so be, be advised of that. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for the day and for the wonder of this, uh, the advent of Christ uh, in the fullness of time. The council of eternity came to fruition when you, Lord God, were born of a virgin. You suffered under Pontius Pilate. You were crucified, dead, and buried. You descended into Hades, and the third day you rose again from the dead. You ascended in, unto heaven, from whence you shall come to judge us one day, Lord. And we, I pray that that story would really grip our hearts and cause us to be the people you've called us to be. So take the word of God and apply it to our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going through these statements about particular points about our church. Who are we as a church? And I said just four quick points in an elevator statement. Point number one is we are a church that believes that the Reformation was a recovery of the gospel. The gospel is good news of great joy for all men. The simple gospel is that God became a man and died on the cross for our sins and we're saved by his grace alone, through faith alone, the glory of God alone. The second point is we're a missional people. We believe the gospel should be taken to every man, woman, and child. And the only way to be made right with a God who is is through the cross work of Christ. There's salvation in no other name, for there's no other name given among men by which you must be saved other than the name of Christ. And thirdly, last week we talked about we are a communitarian group. Uh, we're, we believe in relationship. We believe that God is a community of triune glory, and we're made in His image, and we're called to relationship. And so we are a, a people who believe in being in, in environments of grace. And so today we've come to the fourth point, and that is that we, we believe in generation to generation or, or transgenerational legacy, giving off, passing off of the baton. Uh, in, in essence, we, we are all of us running a, a baton, a race with a baton, but as we run, we realize the day will come when we will pass the baton off, and we are passing it off to the generations to come. This is who we are. This is what we're about. We live in a way that shows the truth and mentions the truth and elicits the truth. The story's told about an old pastor who was at a pastor's meeting with a bunch of young pastors. And as the meeting was closed, 
the guy that was leading it said, it was so good to see this older, retired, venerable pastor of many years here. And he says, sir, as we close, do you have advice for us who are just starting out on this race being a pastor? He said, yes. And he stood up and he said, said, young men, remember, one day they'll put your body in a box and they'll say a few words over your body and they'll put it in the ground and they'll throw dirt on the box and then everybody will go back to the church and eat potato salad. <laughs> in other words, you're going to die. You're going to leave a legacy. Live with purpose. If you look at some of the portraits throughout the church, especially in the 1600s, 1500s, you'll see a skull in the background. In fact, the Puritans would often, it kind of sounds morbid, but they would put a skull, animal skull, some type of skull, on their desk or in their house. And, and the, uh, sometimes you'll see the portrait, you'll see the Latin phrase underneath it, memento more. Memento more. Remember your moment of death. Remember you will die. And I think that, that people who are gripped with an understanding of, of legacy and passing it on, remember, they're aware of, that they will die. They're aware of that, that we're passing something on, that the way we live is going to be either a legacy of grace and dignity and Christ's likeness or legacy of whatever. So I want to go to Psalm 145 this morning and ask ourselves, what type of people are generation to generation men and women who pass it on? And in this passage, we have, I think, the answer. In Psalm 145, as a psalm of celebration by the shepherd King David. He says, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will declare or commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your works. They will tell the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyful singing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He is compassionate on all He has made. All you have made will praise you, O Lord. Your saints will extol you. They will tell of your, the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all men may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. So, so wh wh what type of person, what type of person says, oh Lord, from one generation will commend your works to another, or Psalm 87, uh, we'll tell the next generation and the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. 
what type of person? Well, number one, this type of person is one who speaks of the glorious splendor of the majesty of God. This person tells of the power of the awesome works of God. This person knows the reality of all that God is. They, they speak of the glorious splendor of God. And I, I, I read this and I think about David who's called a man after God's own heart. And I, I think that David just was overflowing with praise and, and David saw dimly, dimly the coming Messiah King Jesus. He knew the Messiah King was coming and he saw it dimly. We see Christ fully. We have received the outpoured Holy Spirit. We have the complete revelation of God in the Bible. How much more? How much more should we stand up and say, I will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. This, this season we celebrate the glorious splendor, the ultimate revelation of God in the flesh. His name is Jesus. I think of what Christ says in John chapter 8, verse 56. He says, Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and he was glad. Jesus says to these Jewish people, see, you know, Abraham, Abraham, the Abraham of Genesis, looked forward to the coming Messiah King. He rejoiced in my day from afar. And they said back, I'm sure very cattily, you are not yet 50 years old and you have seen Abraham? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was born, I am. Using the, God, the name that God refers to as himself, I am that I am. And it says that this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Your father Abraham rejoiced, David, your father Abraham rejoiced in seeing my day and he was glad. How much more should we rejoice, church? And then these words of, of, of John 1 that, listen, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. John testifies concerning Him. He cries out saying, this was He of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because He was before me. From the fullness of His grace, we have all received one blessing after another. How much more should we glory in the greatness of Christ? Do you speak of the glorious splendor of His majesty in the face of Jesus? Or 2 Corinthians 3, verse 14, says this, but, but their minds, the minds of the Old Testament readers, were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Only in Christ can you understand the Old Testament promises because they're fulfilled in Christ. 
before Abraham was, Jesus says, I am. Abraham saw my day and he was glad. What, what type of people passing on from generation to generation? It is people who understand and glory in the majesty of God found in the face of Christ. Are you glad? Do you rejoice? During this week, an old Puritan said, said that the main design of the ministry of the gospel is to prevail with men to give themselves up to the Lord Jesus Christ as He continually reveals His kindness. Wow, I like that. John Owen. The, the, the main design of the ministry of the gospel is to prevail with men and women and boys and girls to give themselves up to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in all of life as they continually behold His kindness. Where do you behold His kindness? In the person and work of Christ. It's fully revealed. Generation to generation people are people who glory in the majesty and, and the goodness of Christ. The, the glory in the one who is the radiance of God's glory and exact representation of his nature, says Hebrews 1. His name is Jesus. That they glory in the Christ as preached in the word. I, see, I saw this Carducci family just read our Advent reading. Wow, what beautiful kids. I see these children everywhere. I see our kids at PCA. I see young families. And, and, and I really believe with all of my heart that, that, that if, it, if we behold the glory of Christ in the Word of God, that God blesses families. And God not only holds marriages together, He makes marriages happy. I want you to have happy marriages. I don't just endure each other. Brings, he brings his presence. I read in the book two weeks ago about this. It just says this. And I just said, I just circled and said, Amen, Amen, Amen. When the Word of God, faithfully taught by people of God, is empowered by the Spirit of God and falls down in power, people become different. Lusting people become pure. Fearful people become courageous. Thieves become givers. Demanding people become servants. And angry people become peacemakers. Complainers become thankful. And idolaters come to joyful worship. The worship of the one true God. The ultimate purpose of the word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit is not theological formation but heart and life transformation. See, if we just worship and glory, God changes us. So that, that's, that type of people is, will be people that pass on from generation. The, the, second, the second point here is that it says, 
I will tell of your glorious splendor, of your majesty, and I will meditate on your works. So point number two is people who, who, who meditate, or it just means to think deeply, to ponder. They, 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 they think deeply. They, they realize that, that we're at warfare, and Ephesians 6 says they take, take up the whole armor so that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and haven't done everything. You could stand firm. They, 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 they realize we're at war. They think, in, in, a, in an age of going here and there that doesn't allow to, us to think, they, they, they ponder. Think of Psalm 1, it says, Blessed is man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on the law he meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by streams of water who... Yields his fruit in season, and whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked, they'll just, they're blown here and there. Meditate. Know the character of God. When you know the character of God, you go for it. When you know the character of God, you're transgenerational. You see that it's a legacy you're passing off. Or I think of Isaiah 61, verse 3. Well, Isaiah talks about being planted in the Lord. And he says this, he says, I will bestow on them the crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. Oaks of righteousness. I, I love to see people who are just Planted in the Word of God. Planted in the character of Christ. They're planted. So when a hurricane hits, they're, they're not like pine trees who just... They're planted. Now, as, as I see these little children and, and think of Christmas, let me just say, I loved being the daddy of young kids. I hope you guys are enjoying every minute of it. I, I loved it. And uh, I, was, I was thinking this week about the generation of our children. You know, we grew up with teenage mutant ninja turtles. He was in a half shell. Uh, with got, got to get tough, yo, Joe, G.I. Joe. Thankfully, my kids got a little old just before Barney. So I miss the singing pink or purple dinosaur. Bar Barney always kind of creeped me out anyway. But, but growing up, by far and away, our favorite thing was, was Winnie the Pooh. Every Saturday morning, without fail, we would get up and play a little bit. And then we'd pile on the bed and have a small TV. And we'd watch Winnie the Pooh from 8 to 8.30. And then we'd have a, Sarah would make a huge breakfast every Saturday. And it was just fun. But, you know, remember Pooh? Now, my favorite character was Tigger, but I like Pooh. Does anyone love Tigger? I love Tigger. But Pooh, there he is with, who's that with him? Piglet. And what is he saying? Think, think, think. That's meditation. 
that Pooh didn't have much to deal with, but we won't go there. <laughs> Some of you can relate to that more than you want to admit, but that's beside the point. But, but that, it, you, you think in an age that advocates being ADHD. You think in an age that says your spatial time of cognition is 30 seconds at the most. If we're going to be people who are transgenerational, we'll be people who think about the character of God. We, we, we think. And then he says, number three, I, I will proclaim your great deeds. I, I will proclaim. I, I will proclaim. I won't forget your great deeds. I will proclaim them. I will let them be known. I, I will shout them abroad. I will, I, I, will, I will sing them out. I will proclaim your great deeds. Just as I look out, I see people that have had difficult days this year. They buried loved ones. They've had problems with children. I mean, I, I know we live in a fallen world, but have you ever just written down on one side of the page all the blessings that God has poured into your life? Psalm 139 says, if, if, I were to, if I were to count the blessings you've given me, I could not. They're more numerous than the grains of the sand. You ever just stop and say, God, why have you been so good? Why have you allowed me to see the goodness of Christ? Why am I singing joy to the world the Lord has come when I have contemporaries who sing it not? Well, in part, God, God has given grace to you. Why have you let me live in the land of freedom? Why have you... Why did you let me, me, me personally, be raised in a home where I was, I was loved? Where I saw dignity and commitment? Why, why have you let me be in a church for 30 years with people who are so kind? Why? 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 If we're to be transgenerational, we will, be, we will proclaim the great deeds of God. We will sing, great is thy faithfulness. O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassion. They fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. As thou hast been. God, you don't change. Your purposes don't change. Before time began, you determined in the council of the Trinity at the fullness of time to enter the human race as a baby. It's a wild story. It's the story of the ages. It's the story of history. There is a, I was working on this sermon this Monday and something happened that I'll tell you about, but it made me think of this hymn. It's a hymn entitled, Oh Love That Will Not Let Me Go, written by a guy named George Matheson. George Matheson was a brilliant theological student in Scotland in the 1800s. He was engaged to be married. And he had trouble, started having trouble with his vision. He was only 20, 21 years old. 
He went to see the doctor. The doctor did some examination. He said, it appears that you are going blind. You'll be blind in only a few years. He was engaged. He told his fiancée the news. And she basically said, I can't be married to someone who's blind and left the relationship. Of course, it crushed him. But he, he labored and worked. And with the few years he had left before he lost his sight, he wrote two incredible theological tomes as an early 20-year-old. And many people have said that if he had not lost his sight, he may have been the most outstanding theological mind in Scotland as far as writing in his day. But after he went blind, his sister, very much younger sister, became really his amanuensis, his secretary. He would dictate, she would write. He became the pastor of church. He preached every Sunday to a church of about 1,200 people. Every, every Sunday, blind man. Years later, this sister that he had grown up and had become his secretary and of course his dear dear friend got married and so on the saturday night before the sunday wedding after they had a lavish banquet he went back to his hotel room and he thought about his sister getting married he thought about his experience years and years before when he had uh, been left by his fiance and he wrote uh, uh, a poem that became a hymn, O love that will not let me go, I'll lift my flickering torch to thee. Let me read this stanza to you. He said, O, o joy that seekest me through pain. Hmm? O joy that seekest me through pain, I cannot close my heart to thee. I trace the rainbow through the rain and feel the promise is not vain. That morn shall tearless be. See, the rainbow is God's promise. He'll never again flood the earth. He says, I, I traced the rainbow through the rain. He said, there's rain. There's pain. Oh, oh, joy that seekest me through pain. I cannot close my heart to thee. Because I've tasted Jesus. I've tasted the forgiveness of sin through the cross. I've received the Holy Spirit. I cannot close my heart to thee. I trace the rainbow through the rain. The reason I thought of that is Monday morning I'm working on this sermon before, before I became deathly ill and almost died. So I'm working on this sermon and my, my wife says, quick, go outside. I just received a text. There's a beautiful rainbow in the sky. And I went, I don't know if you saw I went running out in the front yard. There was a rainbow all the way across the sky. If you looked at it, there was a double rainbow. I said, wow. That's all he said. I trace the rainbow through the rain and feel the promise is not vain. That, that morn shall tearless be. When Christ comes again, no tears, no pain, no blindness, no fiancés that say, I can't be married to a blind man. See, pe people who get that, people who proclaim the great deeds of God, transgenerational very quickly number four there's a sense of worship verse, verse seven says they will celebrate your abundant goodness and, and joyfully sing of your righteousness they will celebrate your abundant goodness not just goodness, abundant, overflowing goodness. 
and joyfully sing of your righteousness. And we know that that righteousness is now ours through Christ. Because God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. And so we, we sing. We celebrate. We are glad. Worshiping, celebratory, glad, righteousness, understanding, people, gospel-centered people are transgenerational. They get it. They get it. And he says, fifthly, there's, there's so much here. Just, fifthly, transgenerational people rejoice in the kingdom of God, which is the present-day reign and rule of the Savior in our lives and our world. Verse 11, they will tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might. So that all men may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures to all generations. We're part of something bigger than us. It's called the work of God throughout the ages. You know, how, you know how to raise, David, you're, you're going to like this. You know how to raise a generation of people who care nothing for their country? Quit teaching American history. Quit teaching about men, half of whom had no shoes, who spent the summer in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. Quit teaching about Washington's surprise attack on the Hessians on Christmas where you could trace his troops as they walked barefooted through the snow and you could trace the blood as they bled. Quit talking about that. Quit talking about places like Omaha Beach and D-Day. Just quit talking about it. Quit talking about men and women of valor and courage. Just, just quit talking about it. Don't ever read a letter from a Birmingham jail by Martin Luther King Jr. Don't, don't ever read that. How do you raise a people in the church who say history is bunk, to quote John D. Rockefeller? You don't talk about the great acts of God. You don't talk about the kingdom of God. I'm... I, I, I love church history. I, I love the fact that, that in 165 AD, one of the first martyrs that is recorded, a guy named Justin Martyr, a leader, as he was going to his death with part of his church, says, you can kill us, but you can't hurt us. Wow. <laughs> wow. You can kill us, but you can't hurt us. Basically, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I love the fact that one of my heroes, when he died in the sweltering heat of Calcutta, India in 1834, just had a marble slab put over his body, and on it he just put William Carey, 
a wretched, poor, and helpless worm on thy kind arms I fall. Every October the 15th, I celebrate October the 15th, 1655, when a man named Hugh Latimer turned to his co-preacher, Nicholas Ridley, as they burnt together at the stake. And he said, play the man, Master Ridley, and let us light such a fire today in this great country that the gospel light will never be extinguished. And that's one reason I am an Anglophile. You tell the great acts of God. You, you, you rehearse them. You rehearse the kingdom. You say, you know, I am bigger than something outside of myself. It's called the kingdom of God. That's who we are. So my time is long gone. So just more later, but generation to generation, brothers and sisters, this is who we are. We're leaving a legacy. Unequating this with our mercies, our privileges, is our sin as well as our trouble. This causes us to go heavily when we might rejoice and to be weak where we might be strong in the Lord. Unacquainting us with our mercies in Christ and our privileges as His adopted children is our sin as well as our trouble. This causes us to go heavily when we might rejoice and to be weak where we might be strong. Let's pray. Joy to the world, the Lord hath come. Let earth receive her king. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. And let men their songs employ. Lord, we do that this morning and we... Uh, we uh, have all this year experienced battles and blessings. We have experienced some here overwhelming sorrows. Some here overwhelming joys and blessings. But all of us battles and blessings. And I, I pray that we would trace the rainbow through the rain, whether it's just a sprinkle or it's a downpour. Lord, you are faithful. And we say with Justin Martyr of old, you may kill us, but you can't hurt us. We thank you for the hope of the gospel. Uh, Lord, make us transgenerational. Help us realize that we are passing a legacy on, and may we live with that in mind. May we not forget, may we not forget that we are treading where the saints have trod and that people will come after us. Have mercy on us, O oh Lord. Thank you for the goodness of Christ. May, may we be people who look to the coming generations and say, I will live valiantly in part because my witness will speak volumes to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much. Merry Christmas. See you tomorrow night, I hope.